guys would say that kicking off this new year, you could use a little bit of reviving. Anybody? How many guys, if you were honest, you would say, uh, I am so happy last year is over and I got another shot at this year. Uh, if you're a parent, you would honestly, you'd say that. You'd say, I want one more shot at being a dad, right? I want one more shot at being a mom. We're going to kick off a series that I think, I really believe that this may be the very best thing that you and I can hear as we kick off this new year. Because I, I really believe as a Christ follower that God foreknew in advance, wired us with like this whole new year resolution thing. Um, we, we see all through scripture where God says to us, in fact, I brought a verse this morning. It says uh, in Isaiah 6 or 43, it says, see, I'm doing a new thing. God all throughout our lifetime is leading us to a place where he wants us to resolute, to be revived, to look back over what has happened, uh, experience, you know, hardships, ups and downs, and then have a chance to look forward to what's next. This last Easter, the, the message I remember clearly, because uh, there was like a sea of people uh, outdoors uh, at Easter, uh, we, we said this verse in Lament Lamentations over and over and over again. And I love this verse. It says, God's mercies are made new every day. I don't think it's any accident that we as human beings uh, at the beginning of every year say, I'm going to go back to the gym and get in shape. God's like, I knew you'd do that. Uh, I don't think anyone in this room, I don't think any, God's surprised by anybody in this room that shows up in the new year and says, I want to grow in this particular area. I, I have new hopes for this year. Uh, I want to I make some changes in my life. God looks, I think God looks at all this and goes, good, because that's exactly what I wanted you to do. I am doing a new thing, God says. He says, now it springs up. Do you perceive it? I think, I think as a church, my hope, and let me just be really honest, my prayer has been for several weeks leading up to this point that God would do something in us. God would revive us. Um, in fact, uh, I, I, I recalled a, an amazing story, a guy that was on staff with me at, at a church that we began up in Atlanta. His name was Joe Street. Told me the, the greatest revived story that I've ever heard. It happened to him. Joe, in his early 20s, uh, when he was a UNC Tar Heel, uh, along with his future bride, were, were floating down a river somewhere in North Carolina. He was a North Carolina boy. And uh, before they were married, 20 of them on, on inner tubes, his future bride, Nikki, floats off, I don't know, 10 yards, whatever, and all of a sudden just gets sucked right through her tube, and she's gone in the water. Well, you know, of course, he's a 20-year-old scrapping young guy. He's going to swim over and rescue his future bride, his girlfriend. He swims over, and this is a true story. He swims over and is trying to find Nikki, and all of a sudden gets sucked down himself. So he's, he's underwater trying to figure out what in the world to do. I mean, this all just happened in a split second. He's trying to figure out what to do. He's, he's like imprinted now on Nikki, and she's grabbing his sides. He literally has, he has scars from her nails on her side where she's trying to now pull herself up Joe. Joe's trying to pull her up. Neither one of them can escape. They're in a suction hole like this. I don't know how it is. Some type of 
current in a water that just sucks you through into a hole. And so Joe now is fighting with everything in him to try to pull Nikki out of this hole, realizing I'm stuck, I can't get loose. And slowly but surely, he says, I'm, I'm in the water. I've held my breath as long as I can hold my breath. Ever been in one of those situations before? Where, where you like, you ever played like, you know, I don't know, whatever you did in the pool growing up, wrestling somebody, right? Get dunked, and some, whoever you're wrestling with, they dunk you, and you're like, it's all cool till they hold you underwater and you can't get up. Then it's no longer playtime. It's like, I'm fighting for life. I had a basketball player I brought from my college to the beach in Fort Lauderdale one year for spring break, and his arms were like nine foot long. And he was way bigger than me. And I was like, I'll take you, dude. We were wrestling out in the water, and he just went like, like that. And I came up like, I'm going to kill you. I'm swinging because he was drowning me. Joe says, my friend, I'm underwater, and I'm, I'm grasping for my last breath till I can't hold it any longer, and I gulp all the water down. And he says, literally, my body goes limp, I watch Nikki go limp. I go limp. He said, my brain's still active. My brain's active. He said, I'm, I'm underwater. And he says, I, all of a sudden, I'm reviewing my life. I'm thinking about my parents. What will they think? What will the newspapers say? What will my college team that I played for say? I'm thinking about what will people think letting Nikki drown, me drowning. And he says, I, I, I literally think through all these things as I'm totally lifeless in the water, and he says, we drowned and died in the water. Not less than 10 minutes later, they get sucked through this hole and float down the river face down, and a fisherman pulls them out of the water, and I mean, they beat their chests, they suck, blow, whatever, you res- they resuscitated them, revived them. True story. He showed me, like, he's got all kind of, like, cool newspaper clippings, how young, scrapping college boy drowns, girlfriend drowns, revived. And one of the things that I always loved about my friend Joe, he always had this, like, like, uh, just relaxed, don't don't worry about it demeanor. Christy, we were great friends with him. In fact, we we hired Joe on our church staff in Atlanta. He he oversaw, he was an engineer and oversaw 90 hubs of engineers. Super intelligent, fun, wild, adventurous guy. I mean, we were like, not on the intellectual part, but on the wild, adventurous site. This is the, like, like the coolest guy I've known. And he, he had this mindset of just, don't worry about it, whatever. But it went beyond, don't worry about it, whatever, to whatever God says, whatever, I'll do it. And he always had, the, the reason we, we, we had him on our team was because he just had this like, Big, audacious, I'll do whatever God says kind of faith. And I was, just, I was attracted to this guy. I just loved that he was like, you know, in the thick of a, a stress or a difficulty, or he, he was older than Christy and I, so we watched him raise older children. He was always just like, like concrete, like firm in God. Just like, like God's got it. And whatever God led Joe to do, Whatever he felt like God was leading him to, Joe always had this like, whatever God says, I'll do it mentality. And it, he tracks it back to that drowning. I mean, you're like, well, yeah, God drowned me. I'd wake up and go, okay, God, whatever you want me to do, right? Because when you have these near-death or crazy experiences, you kind of you 
you, you know, some of them you have to take a step back and you look at and you go, okay, some, this, this didn't happen by accident. And, and you know what it, you know, you know, you kind of can understand what it would feel like in his scenario, looking at this, this situation where you'd wake up and you'd go, okay, I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> I'm supposed to be on this planet. Like, I, like I, I, we should have died, but I'm alive. And in that moment, Joe, Joe tells me that he just, he just had a new lease on life where from that day forward, not without struggle, not without, you know, bumps in the road, but from that day forward, he just said, God, whatever you say, I'll do. God, whatever you lead me to, I'll do. My prayer is that this year, 2016, however you got here, whether it was kicking and screaming, whether it was like, you, you couldn't wait to 2015 to get over. Maybe there was a lot of pain, a lot of fear, a lot of stress. You name it, struggle. Maybe that was your year. Maybe your year was, you know, okay, and you're very hopeful for this year. Some of you guys look at 2016 and you have zero hope. However you look at 2016, today's conversation, the story I'm going to show you, could be the backdrop for you to have perspective, the gumption, the courage to do what the guy we read about did today. I'm going to give you one word today. It's just a one-point sermon today. One-point one conversation, one-point talk, where I want to show you, like, as we look at a new year, and we look at, I want to grow, I want to get in shape, I want to change, I want to drop that habit, I want to work on my marriage, I, I want to be a better dad, I want to be a better student, I want to, whatever it is, whatever it is, I got, I, got a, I got the word for us today. I have the word, but you're going to have to wait to the very end of the message to get that word. All right, so don't leave. But I'm going to build up to it because this is, the, how the, this is the, how the story goes. This is how God writes one of the very first stories in the new book, right? Because Genesis was like one of the first books. It is the first book, right? So it's put in the Bible. And this is one of the first stories in the new book. And I feel like because this is a new year, I'm telling you this is, this is something that God has for us today. So to stage this, what if you and I, prior to hearing this message, went ahead and said, okay, God, Whatever I hear from your word today in advance, I'll, I'll take notice of. I'll take, take a step towards. Because whether you make a choice to step towards what God's doing in your life, you're going to bump up against this anyways. Life just leads us to have these, these bumps. So however you choose, you're going to bump into this. And my hope is that we will walk away from here today with this one word is the mantra is our heart desire for how and where we go this year. Real quick before I dive into this, great job, Mike Fortenberry, last week. Christy, I wasn't here, um, but Christy, my wife, and I heard from many of you said it was the best message ever heard here at our church. And if you were not here, you've got to go 
to our website and listen to this message last week. It was called Holiday Hangover. <laughs> Fitting for our church. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you guys. All right. All right. All right. So now, as we walk through being hungover, some of us are still like looking at the 2016 going, what next? This is what I want you to look at. This is, what, this is where I want us to go as a church family, both as a whole, like, wow, what would it be like if we did this word, if we acknowledged God in this as a group, what, what could God do in us and through us, and what could it mean for you individually this year? Let me do this. Let me pray, because I, I believe this is on, on point with what God has for us today. God... Would you just speak so clearly today? And would you lead us to the precipice, the edge of stepping out into an arena with you where we are forever, forever, ever changed and can walk into 2016 with boldness, not because of us, because we have, we, we've got a lot of mess, God, in life. A lot of hurts, a lot of pain, fears, anxiety, worry. God, we, we were so limited because of what the enemy is trying to do. God, I pray you'd help us to break free from that and step into an arena with you like we've never been before. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to kick off this message before I give you this passage with like a good verse to just remember about God in this new year. It's John 10.10. We, we had a family devotional, which we don't always do at my house. You know, my house like your house. It's crazy. Daddy's trying to, like, show them something in the Bible, and they're, like, laughing and joking. I'm like, I'm a terrible teacher, right? Can't get my kids to pay attention, right? But we talked about and asked some questions, and, and one of our kids said, yeah, I just, I feel like, you know, God would want me to, to, to have a good year, right? right? I'm, I'm glad my kids believe God wants them to have a good year. Why? But, and we said this, because God's got a verse for that. And here's the verse I want you to look at. If you're fearful about 2016, if you're fearful about what, what, does, what does God want for me and want to do through me, and, but what if our plans don't line up and I want something different God? Here's what you should start out this year with and know this, John 10.10. 10. The thief's purpose, not God's, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Some of y'all been there, 2015, that's what 2015 was. You're like, ah, jacked up, jacked up, let's go, let's, let's leave it behind, let's move forward. All right, that, that, that may be great, let's leave it behind, and let's leave this behind. Our thief wants to botch up stuff. He wants to mess up stuff. And his ultimate goal is to, to pull you away from trusting wholeheartedly in God that he loves you, and he wants you to have the kind of life that God promises. So the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. God says, my purpose is to give them, that's us, to give us a rich and satisfying life. That's the backdrop. That's the backdrop. We need that to be able to step forward in the rest of this passage today, all right? Here we go. I'm going to tell you about a guy. His name was Abraham. Some of you have heard this guy. Some of you are like, I'm here for the first time at church. You, you've shouted. I'm a little freaked out by that. I don't but you said that your preacher didn't shout. I'm just excited. But here's this guy named Abraham. 
All right? And I'm going to tell you a part of his story where God does, like, pushes him like he's never pushed him before. So in Genesis chapter 11, we see the beginning of Abraham through his dad. And here's, here's who we don't want to be. We don't want to be Abraham's dad. Abraham's dad and you, whatever this was, standing on the precipice of whatever God's going to do next, leading his family. We don't want to be this guy, but we've all been this guy. So in Genesis chapter 11, it says this, chapter 11, verse 31, Terah, that's Abraham's dad, took his son Abraham and the family and the goats and all the animals, and they're on the road. And we got to believe that He'd already known about God, maybe he'd modeled a little bit of God to his family, and maybe even already following God's plan for his life. Because God was going to work through this family. God was going to do something, we think, through this guy's family. Because this is in Scripture. And this is, a sad, this is a sad story about how we get robbed of what God wants to do through us. Terah took his son Abraham, and together they set out from Ur of Chaldeans to go to Canaan. You know, later on in the story, God uses Abraham, and they end up doing some awesome stuff in Canaan, right? So he ends up on their way to go to Canaan, like that was a part of the mission. They were supposed to go there. But here's the sad part in the story, and this is all we know about Terah. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now, you don't read this, but it is in, it is in other parts of the passage that he had a son named Haran who died. And so as they're trekking through life, he has his bumps. He's got his struggles. He loses a son, and all of a sudden, he quits. Like, all right, God, hurt, pain, breaks. And that's, where he, that's, that's all we ever hear about this guy. And, and maybe it's all... Maybe that's the distance of where he goes with his knowledge of who God is, right there. He stops, quits following, loses trust, road got too bumpy, and he quits. Then, here's, here's where God, here, here's where I see the grace of God. God, God doesn't quit on that family. Uh, God, God says to his son, Abraham, go to the land that I'll show you. All right, some of you guys, you know this part of the story. We talk about this all the time in here. And I love this, that this guy Abraham, God shows up. He's probably never heard God speak. God hasn't done a whole lot about, of this. We've only seen him talk to, you know, Adam and Eve and a couple other people. And now all of a sudden he speaks, and Abraham hears God says, go to the land that I'll show you. And Abraham says, okay. And he starts going to this land that God will show him, meaning like steps of faith. He doesn't know where he's going. He's watched his father struggle. He's lost his brother. But he's like, okay, God, I'll start following you. So here we go. Abraham's now following God. He's going to this family. He's going to this place. He's dragging his family. And then it says in Genesis 22, and here's here's a story I want to show you today. Genesis chapter 2, 1 through 18. Sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to Abraham, said to him, Abraham. So this is God calling Abraham. And look at his response. Abraham. Abraham replies, here I am. Almost as if it was a, God's calling me, what do you want me to do? I'm willing. 
God says, Abraham, he says, here I am. Then God said, and I, I, I got to say that that word then happens because Abraham's probably small, maybe large. I don't know what kind of faith, but we know he's, he's gone through struggles. He's lost a brother. It says then God continues on because I think Abraham replies, okay, God, whatever. What do you want to do? What's up, God? You're God. I'm, I'm not. Okay, whatever. So all of a sudden God then goes on and says the craziest thing you ever want to hear about in the Bible. This is, this is for some of you today, if you're like, this whole God thing's jacked up, and I'm scared to death of it anyways, and someone made me come today, <laughs> you're going to be convinced that that's the, that's the case today, okay? This is like, this is like, this is one of these so jacked up stories that you're like, eh, golly, I don't know how to explain this one, right? This is like, whoa, God's weird. Why does he ask? Why, why is this in the Bible? How can this make sense? I want you to look at this story, not at what God asks for, but the point of why God asks, all right? So God asks of Abraham. He says, then God says, take your son, your only son, who you love, Isaac, enter the picture, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, or, or, yeah, Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. And he's got to be thinking, God, this whole I will show you stuff was fine, when it will go to the land that I will show you. But now, take my son, kill him on the mountain that you'll show me or the place on the mountain that you'll show me. Wow. This is, this is jacked up, right? I mean, aren't you glad that we don't read or think or believe that God is still doing that today? We don't, we don't, we don't hear of God asking people to sacrifice their children anymore. You know why? Good news, he's, he already did that. He did it with somebody else that never has to make a payment or a anything like this ever again. But God asked this father to give up his son. And you know, every dad out there is, and I got my son on the front row, we're thinking, oh my gosh, I would never harm my son. And so you know, this guy's struggling. He's got to be. He's human. We see him as Abraham, father Abraham, great man of faith. But this, this is the highest level of like commitment and trust God that you could ever be asked of, right? And I think that's the point to challenge us. That's the point for maybe for us to take one small step towards can God be trusted today? Isn't God on the like jury seat today through this conversation? Can, can God be trusted? That's what's being asked here. So he gets asked of this. Abraham took, takes the wood takes the wood for the burnt offering, places it on his son. Not only am I going to kill you, or I'm going to walk up this mountain with intent of doing what God says, but you're going to carry the stuff. So he's carrying the stuff, and he carries the fire, carries the knife, and the two of them went on together. Along the way, verse 7, Isaac speaks up and says to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for burnt offering? See, this is not a new thing. It's a different thing. It's a different thing. And you know, every one of your problems, they're always new, aren't they? You feel like you've got a grasp on a problem, and all of a sudden it shifts, and it's something different. You feel like you've got a grasp on like a certain, like I've been worrying about this, but i got a handle on it now, and all of a sudden you're stressed out. It's a new thing. Here's a new thing. Abraham had a grasp on this. But his son even speaks to this and says, hey, we've done this before. We've sacrificed animals before, but where's the animal? This is a different 
thing going on here. So he starts probably questioning, and Abraham, I don't know if he's calm or what, but he says to his son, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. God didn't, God didn't promise him that. God didn't say that to Abraham. He said, go up to this mountain, sacrifice your son. But somehow, somehow, in the midst of like, this is such a stupid story, crazy picture. This man believes something about God. He believes God is good. He believes God's good. And somehow in the midst of this confusion, this fog, this chaos, Abraham says to his son, I'm going to trust God. He will provide. And so, in verse 9, they arrived at the place where God had told him to go. And Abraham built this altar and arranged the wood on it. I don't know if he's stalling, hoping for, or what. But he builds this altar, stacks the wood exactly the way they'd done it in the past. He ties his son Isaac. Like, literally, he's going through. He's doing it. He's doing it. And he lays his son on the top, top of the altar, right? Son's laying there. He ties his son up. And all of a sudden, says Abraham picks up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And then all of a sudden, it says, but the angel. So all of a sudden, there's an intervention. Problem, struggle, story being written for all of mankind to look at over time. And us go, with my struggle, with my lack of belief, that's a jacked up story. This is the stupid thing, stupid thing I've ever read. Or wow, what a challenge for faith. What a challenge. However you enter, enter this. God wants us to get to this place where all of a sudden he pauses everything and he shows up with provision. Test leads to provision. I'm testing Abraham, leading him to a place of understand that I am a God who does provide. So all of a sudden he raises the knife, he gets stopped. An angel of the Lord calls out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham says, here am I, or here I am. And Abraham looks up, and there in a thicket, he sees a ram caught by its horns. Now, this sounds like one of those fishing stories, right? I caught a fish. It was this big. Yeah, you had a hook, and you had a line, and you had bait, and it, like, smelled like whatever fish like. Like, th this sounds like one of these crazy stories, right? And, and I got to be honest, hunters... Hunters, if you're an outdoorsman, you're a fisherman or whatever, you know it's not that easy, right? And, they, and hunters tease and joke, and we're like, yeah, what? somebody tied it up for you if you got a, a great deer this year, if you caught a big fish. But we know if you're an outdoors person, that this does not happen, right? You don't go hunting. They call it hunting because you have to hunt. No one, no one walks in the woods and just accidentally stumbles upon an animal hung up in a brush, so here's Abraham at his all-time worst, holy, holy moly, holy crap moment. I said it in church. Because here's a guy about to kill his kid. He's like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And he's about to do this thing. And at the moment he's about to do this thing, on the other side of the mountain, God is bringing the provision and in that moment, at that perfect opportune moment, God says, stop, and all of a sudden, there in the bushes is caught a ram, and God provides. I mean, like, this gives me goosebumps. Like, 
God, all in a moment's notice, you lead us to a point in our life where, this, where it's a defining moment. We're like my friend Joe Street, where you're screaming to try that, find that last breath. And maybe, you've, maybe you have sunk underwater several times. Maybe you've been at the cusp of the biggest mess, and you've been in the biggest mess. But God never wants us to forget He loves us, and it's through challenges, it's through tests of you trusting God by faith that God will show up and show off. Why? Because God wants to build this guy's Abraham's, this, this Abraham's faith. Because God wants to write this story all through history so that historically every generation would bow the knee and say God is real. See, God wants to not only use a guy like Abraham's faith to produce faith in his son Isaac, but God wants every man and woman in this room, every child in this room, to have faith enough in God that no matter what we see around us, we would say, okay, God, you got me. Here I am. No matter how big the mess is, no matter how foggy the situation is, I can be rock solid that it's going to be all right because God. So here the story unfolds. The ram pops up over the hill. I'm sure they have this like father-son moment. <laughs> You're not going to die. I'm not going to kill you. You're not going to kill me. I'm sure that was weird. But what parenting isn't? And I'm sure they have this moment where they lock arms and they probably bow the knee and they probably said, God, you're real. This, this wasn't an accident. God, wow, God, wow, you're real. And here's, here's, here's Abraham's response. So Abraham called this place. I love this. Real simple. Clever. Doesn't have to be, you know, crazy cool. But here's clarity. He calls this place the Lord will provide. Forever this place will be called the Lord will provide. And I want it to be said. I want it to be known. I want all who follow in my footsteps of trying to trust this God, even though it can be jacked up, even though it can be, look weird and messy, I want us to get to where I've gone, where I know I can trust God. So Abraham calls this place the Lord will provide. And to this day it said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. And through, and I love this, and through your offspring. Now this faith was produced through Isaac and through their offspring, and we're here today because of that. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have what? You have obeyed me. Obeyed me. That's a hard one, isn't it? Because don't you, don't you feel like sometimes if I obey God, it won't do what I want it to do for me? Don't you feel like sometimes you think God's leading you to a certain point and it looks scarier than you wanted to attempt, and we back off? Here, here, it is. Here, here it is. Here's the word I want to give you today. I, 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 can, I can be so scared in pastoring this church on occasion. Because, I, I, I mean, this is just, wow. This is like more than, I bit off way more than I can chew. I think God puts guys like me in roles, people like us in roles, where we can't do 
the task at hand. I feel that way as a dad, like every day. I feel that way every day in my marriage. I blow it all the time. All the time. And I look at all the tasks before me, dad, pastor, friend, relationships, husband, and I, and I oftentimes get to the place where I go, I can't do this. And you know what God does? He goes, good. Good. Because God wants all of us to get to the place where Abraham got, where we run out of our options, where we run out of ourselves, where we realize I don't have all that it takes, where we get to a place where we go, I don't have what it takes, but I got God. This story is a story that God is good. This story is a story where God wants us to get to a place where where we get to evaluate our lives and see our hardships, see our hurts, see our messes, and have hope for the future. But get to the place where our hope in the future is through us doing this one thing, surrendering to God. Surrendering to God. If you want to go anywhere, it's going to take surrender, am I right? If you want to be a great ball player, i got some wrestlers here. My son wrestles. He's got his buddy. If you want to be a great wrestler, you got to surrender to it. If you want to be a great follower of God and know him and be on firm foundation when every difficulty comes, it's called surrender. If you want to get through college and, and you want to have a business and you want to be a great dad, you want to be whatever. John 10.10. 10. John 10.10. 10. For I, I, I'm not going to let life be jacked up by the enemy. Because I want you to have a satisfied life. I want you to have a full life. But it can only be achieved and done through me. That's, that, that's God's words. And so we hear this crazy, audacious, jacked up story for us to walk away with one thing this morning. What if we walk to the edge of our fears and our problems, all the, all the, all the struggles that we have, and we bring our junk We surrender it. God, here's my kids, because you know I'll jack it up anyways. God, here's here's my fears. I'm going to surrender them to you. God, here's my attitude. God, here's here's the anxiety. Here's the what-ifs. Here's my future. Here's my job. Here's my finances. Here's my marriage. Here's my singleness. Here's my want to be singleness. Here's, here's I, my, 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 I want to quit right now. God says through this passage, I am the provider. Trust in me. And our response is, here I am. Here I am. That's it. That's not, that's, that, that, for us, it's not always, it's hardly ever, in fact, I only know one story like that in the Bible. That's it. It's in the Bible. But, 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 but that's the challenge. No matter what, God says we can trust him. No matter what, he says, I can provide. When you think all hell has broke loose and every card you've been dealt is a bad card, God says, but I'm God. And none of us even know that in the midst of our mess, coming up the other side of our mess, is God's provision for us. So what if, church, what if this year, you and I in 2016, said on the beginning of 2016, God, 
whatever happens this year before me, I'm with you. God, whatever mess, whatever struggle, whatever pain, whatever deepest, darkest funk that I get into, even if it's my own lack of faith, there's disgrace for that. Even if, even, if it's, even if I just blow it tremendously and I point to God and I say, screw you, God, whatever it is, what if this year in 2016 we said, here I am, God. I'll do whatever you say. I'll do whatever you say to do, no matter what. Even if I don't believe, even if I, even if I struggle, even if I lose faith, God, what if 2016 we looked at this passage and we said, that was written for me to continue on, to not quit, to when I bump, against, when I bump up against these problems, I'm going to have perspective in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the struggle. I can have hope because of Jesus. You know what's cool about this, and our band can come on up? You know this Old Testament story happened many, many years before Jesus sending his own son? This story of Abraham and his son Isaac and that sacrifice was just a picture. Get this. It was just a picture of what God would do with his son Jesus. Do you know why we have hope? Not because Abraham almost killed his son and a ram. That's not our hope. It's a great story that leads us to the number one hope. Our hope, get this, our hope is that there was a Savior named Jesus. We celebrated his birthday just a few weeks ago. There was a person, a God in a bod who showed up willingly as the sacrificial ram, lamb, for us to say, I wanted to model to you love. I wanted to show you grace. I wanted to forgive you and get you out of your funk, walk you out of whatever struggle, give you hope for the future. And the reason we have hope, not because of the death of the cross, that's awesome. That frees us. That's forgiveness. That's I'm going to heaven because of my belief in that. But the reason we can get jacked up and fired up and the reason we can walk into this new year with hope is because after that, the guy who predicted him coming on the earth also predicted his own resurrection and life after his death. And the same guy who said, I'm going to die, came back from the dead. He came back from the dead. He came back from the dead. Because of that, I have hope. Because of that, we can have hope for 2016, 2017, 2020, until the day he comes back again because our God didn't die and stayed dead. Our God came back from the, came back from the dead, and he's alive. You and I can have life. You and I can have hope. Not because of dead God, because we have a live God. And today, we get to choose 2016 based on how we surrender our hearts to God. What if this year you said, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Let's pray. God, we, we submit to you this morning. You are God, we are not. God, we surrender to you today and say, with all my messed upness, with all my fears, my insecurities, my identity issues, with the mess of my finances, with the mess of you know, like how I've blown it with my kids, with the, the, the hurt I've caused my wife, with, with 
the, the, the thing I've done, with the addiction I have, with the lack of knowledge of what's next, God, I give it to you today. I surrender to you today. And God, I ask for your grace to help me, to give me faith, to give me hope, to give me purpose. God, I'm going to look to you for you, look to you this year for that, for faith, for hope. I'm going to surrender to you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to have you guys stand. And why don't we do this this year? Why don't we get a little rowdy in this last song? I'm calling out the dudes in here. Because oftentimes it's the pride in me that says I'm a guy, I don't, I don't get rowdy. Except for football games. Except when, you know, Alabama wins here soon. All right? But what if today, what if today was the beginning of your year that you just said, you know what, God, and however you want me to express my faith and trust to you, I'm going to get a little rowdy. I'm going to step out today. And my hope is, is that this church, as a family, we would boldly move forward this year in our faith to God and do whatever he leads us to do, no matter what. Our host teams are going to come. We're going to close with an offering. That will be happening as we, we worship. But I want to say I love you, church, and I cannot wait to go through this year as a family with you. Let's lock arms. Let's do it together. All right?